Dear supporters of BLC, if you adore BLC and our free black history and audiobook content, donate via Patreon or get a print copy of the world-famous art pieces, The Morrow of Tradition by Charles Chestnut and Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs, bound together into just one practical book. The Morrow of Tradition by Charles Chestnut and Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs, bound together into just one practical book in the link below. Chapter 22 of Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Elizabeth Clett, Houston, Texas, May 2008. Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl, written by herself. By Harriet Jacobs. Written under the pseudonym Linda Brent. Chapter 22 Christmas Festivities Christmas was approaching. Grandmother brought me materials, and I busied myself making some new garments and little playthings for my children. Were it not that hiring day is near at hand, and many families are fearfully looking forward to the probability of separation in a few days, Christmas might be a happy season for the poor slaves. Even slave-mothers try to gladden the hearts of their little ones on that occasion. Benny and Ellen had their Christmas stockings filled. Their imprisoned mother could not have the privilege of witnessing their surprise and joy. But I had the pleasure of peeping at them as they went into the street with their new suits on. I heard Benny ask a little playmate whether Santa Claus brought him anything. "'Yes,' replied the boy. "'But Santa Claus ain't a real man. It's the children's mothers that put things into the stockings.' "'No, that can't be,' replied Benny. For Santa Claus brought Ellen and me these new clothes, and my mother has been gone this long time." How I longed to tell him that his mother made those garments, and that many a tear fell on them while she worked. Every child rises early on Christmas morning to see the John Canos. Without them Christmas would be shorn of its greatest attraction. They consist of companies of slaves from the plantations, generally of the lower class. Two athletic men in calico wrappers have a net thrown over them, covered with all manner of bright-coloured stripes. Cows' tails are fastened to their backs, and their heads are decorated with horns. A box covered with sheepskin is called the gumbo-box. A dozen beat on this, while others strike triangles and jaw-bones to which bands of dancers keep time. For a month previous they are composing songs which are sung on this occasion. These companies of a hundred each turn out early in the morning, and are allowed to go round till twelve o'clock, begging for contributions. Not a door is left unvisited where there is the least chance of obtaining a penny, or a glass of rum. They do not drink while they are out, but carry the rum home in jugs to have a carousal. These Christmas donations frequently amount to twenty or thirty dollars. It is seldom that any white man or child refuses to give them a trifle. If he does, they regale his ears with the following song. Poor massa, so dey say, down in de heels, so dey say, got no money, so dey say, not one shillin', so dey say, God a-mighty bless you, so dey say. Christmas is a day of feasting, both with white and coloured people. Slaves who are lucky enough to have a few shillings are sure to spend them for good eating, and many a turkey and pig is captured, without saying, by your leave, sir. Those who cannot obtain these cook a possum or a raccoon, from which savoury dishes can be made. My grandmother raised poultry and pigs for sale, and it was her established custom to have both a turkey and a pig roasted for Christmas dinner. 
On this occasion I was warned to keep extremely quiet, because two guests had been invited. One was the town constable, and the other was a free-coloured man who tried to pass himself off for white, and who was always ready to do any mean work for the sake of currying favour with white people. My grandmother had a motive for inviting them. She managed to take them all over the house. All the rooms on the lower floor were thrown open for them to pass in and out, and after dinner they were invited upstairs to look at a fine mocking-bird my uncle had just brought home. There, too, the rooms were all thrown open that they might look in. When I heard them talking on the piazza, my heart almost stood still. I knew this coloured man had spent many nights hunting for me. Everybody knew he had the blood of a slave father in his veins. But for the sake of passing himself off for white, he was ready to kiss the slaveholder's feet. How I despised him! As for the constable, he wore no false colours. The duties of his office were despicable, but he was superior to his companion, inasmuch as he did not pretend to be what he was not. Any white man who could raise money enough to buy a slave would have considered himself degraded by being a constable, but the office enabled its possessor to exercise authority. If he found any slave out after nine o'clock, he could whip him as much as he liked, and that was a privilege to be coveted. When the guests were ready to depart, my grandmother gave each of them some of her nice pudding, as a present for their wives. Through my peephole I saw them go out of the gate, and I was glad when it closed after them. So passed the first Christmas in my den. End of chapter 22「Dear supporters of BLC, if you adore BLC and our free black history and audiobook content, donate via Patreon or get a print copy of the world-famous art pieces, The Marrow of Tradition by Charles Chestnut and Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs, bound together into just one practical book. The Marrow of Tradition by Charles Chestnut and Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs, bound together into just one practical book in the link below.